Welcome to our podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock. Join us as these neighbors drop by unannounced for conversations that are fun, relevant, and just downright neighborly. 2020 is burning. They're bringing marshmallows, a desire to talk about it, and their mission to laugh now and again, no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Neighbors Don't Knock. This is episode three in season one, and I am Brian Chambers. And I'm Philip Goffrey. We want to welcome everyone out there to the show. This is the show where neighbors drop by unannounced and get ready to get real. That's right. Join us as we dive <laughs> into what's on each other's minds each week. Phil, how you doing, man? Man, after that introduction, I'm spectacular. I'm great. <laughs> I thought I'd bring a little extra oomph of energy to this. I love today. it. I love it. But before we get any further, we'd like to let everyone know that this episode is sponsored by Fajita Pete's. Fajita Pete's has been feeding neighbors for 12 years now and is ready to deliver great tasting, fresh off the grill fajitas, along with their delicious Ritas. They have 16 locations throughout Houston and Dallas, and with more on the way, there'll be a call or a click away from neighbors all over Texas. Rita and Fajita Delivery right to your door. Check them out at www.fajitapeats.com. All right, let's dive right into what's going on. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to waste any time. Let, let's get into it, man. I'm stoked, man. I want to know what's in your mind. Well, I came across this, this article I was reading uh, about Jim Gaffigan and how he started going back to work and he got and did a stand-up at a drive-in, at this racetrack in a parking lot. It was basically a drive-in. Wait, wait, like a, like a drive-in theater kind of arrangement? or a- well, Like a drive-in movie type of, type of situation, but it was in a, a racetrack parking lot in Jersey. And he did a he did a show. So they were they were socially distancing. So he did this full show, but it was just cars spread out through the entire parking lot. And you imagine like a stand up or somebody trying to really get laughs and feed off of an audience and things like that in in a dry, in a parking lot. Yeah, I mean, how does that work exactly? Is he like out there looking at the headlights, trying to figure out who's flashing him? You know, like, pretty much. On? I mean, well, you hear like the horns honking and like distant laughing and chuckling. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things. And it just got me thinking. You know, I'm hearing all these stories about we're reopening and people are going back to work, but what's killing me in my profession is that, and people like Jim Gaffigan and, and other entertainers. They're not going back to work. Now, of course, A-listers, you know, your pocketbooks aren't hurting too much. I, we're not really going to feel bad for you yeah, guys. got some projects in the queue, right? They're, I'm they're, sure. The agent isn't relaxing right now, I assume. Well, that and, you know, those sponsorships, I'm sure, are still rolling in with, with things. So they're not really hurting on their bottom line. But you think about all the actors and entertainers and musicians and people that can't really get back to work. And they're talking about, oh, yeah, this fall we're going to be... 100% back to work. The country is going to be full force. Well, think about all the people that in the entertainment industry, and I'm, I'm one of them. You know, I, we're wondering when the hell are we going to get a chance to get back to, to work? Yeah, there's not a whole lot of opportunity for your guy with his guitar and the microphone to go hang out on the, you know, CD bar stage somewhere when there's not a bar open to be found in most states, right? Exactly. Well, you even, all right, even think about this. You ever go to a ball game and you see all those musicians that hang on the corners and just, you know, play for... Yeah, for, absolutely. Well, absolutely. I, I thought about it when the lockdowns all first started happening in New Orleans, right? All those street musicians that are relying on that cash and like... 
New Orleans gets locked down. No one's allowed in. I mean, I'm going to get one of those signs, you know, because I'm going to have to at one point, you know, actor out of work only wants money or booze, <laughs> you, you know. But well, honestly, the, yeah, I mean, the street musicians, right? The musicians in the bars, they're not filing for unemployment, right? There's no supplemental income coming in for these guys. Well, no, there's a, there's and, a and gals. Well, yeah, there's a series of like programs that that you can actually apply for that that are help. Like there's artist relief funds and things like that, you know. And, and they're all Broadway's dark till next year, till the spring. So there's nothing going on in New York. I mean, that's a lot of revenue. And that's the official announcement, right? That Broadway's not yes. going back on until the spring. It's that's done. right. That's right. And wow. so you think about just all the local regional theaters and entertainers and things like that. Right now, that people are saying, "Oh." Well, we, we're, it's not, we don't feel safe being able to let you do that. And it just kind of makes me wonder what's going to become of our industry and what is going to happen at that point. Because there's only so much you can do online. Sure. Like what are the permanent repercussions of, of being out of work that long and how many people drop out, that sort of thing? Yeah, exactly. Because now how many jobs do you think that people have to try to find and get? I mean, everyone's applying to anything that they can pretty much get a hold of. And then all of a sudden, oh, theaters or, or work is open back up and it's like, well, not sorry. See, ya. I got to go back to my real, my real profession. <laughs> it, it brings up an interesting question though. You know, does that, does that happen? Right. I mean, if people, if, if people who are pursuing becoming actors and musicians and stand up comics, um, anybody in the entertainment industry really, right. They had to fight tooth and nail, like you had to fight tooth and nail to get where, where you are in your career. Oh, still fighting. <laughs> still fighting, right? So I, I'm inclined to think that if things open back up, they will just drop that gig they popped into and, and go right back on stage or right back behind the microphone. I mean, it's their passion, right? So I don't know. I mean, does it really change the landscape forever? I don't think so. I guess the question is more about how long we deal with this weird sort of stagnation and, and entertainment desert that we're all in. Well, the longer that we, the longer that we quote unquote deal with it, did I use those air quotes, right? I think this time you, it, you nailed it. I yeah. nailed it. Awesome. All right. So quotes, I got the air quotes. Right. All right. There we go. Let the record show. But the longer that we deal with it, it's, it's how many people can afford to be out of work and then can they afford to go back to it at that point? So that's, what's really just killing me. I mean, they're opening, what CNN recorded, um, they posted on a tweet that said the, Smith, the, sorry, the Smithsonian announces that the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. and the National Air and Space Museums uh, Center in Virginia will be reopened on Friday. I mean, so you're seeing all of these places that are public places. I mean, Disney World's open. I mean, all these places. But yet they're saying don't gather in large crowds and you can't, you know, be there at the theater. And, and we talked about this a little bit. You actually had a, a really neat point. And you asked me, do you think that film is going to be the future of, of theater? I'm quite curious. Yeah, I'm quite curious if we're going to turn towards the screen and not come back at this point. I, I think that there's a small truth to it. I didn't want to believe it because I don't think that that is what helps create the magic. But I think there's, there's going to be some kind of truth with that. But then now you have to trust whoever's controlling the camera. You know, I mean, that's a lot of blooper reels that I feel yeah, like no is going to be happening. You know, it's like, why is it pointing at his shoe? You know? <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, every good production is going to get bought up by one of the big streaming services in the war. Right. And it's going to be, oh, you can catch rent on Netflix and Hamilton on, you know. Well, Hamilton's on Disney. Disney Plus right, <laughs> Disney Disney Plus Plus right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. But, but for me, my question is when it comes down to live performance like you, you know, 
what happens if this goes on for a year or more where people don't get to show younger people, their children, what it's like to experience a live performance? Will they just gravitate away from it? I'm an optimist, so I'm inclined to believe that won't happen. I actually think there's going to be a huge clamoring to go back to live performances the second that they're available. I think that people recognize they want that connection. I mean, look, if Jim Gaffigan is able to pull a crowd of people driving up in their cars to <laughs> see true. him because he's a star, and of course he's hilarious, there's no question about it, that tells me that the demand is there for live theater, for live performance, for live stand-up, right? People really, really, really want it. That's my beef. I, I'm excited for the theater to get back. I'm excited for more people with those jobs to get back into it. And, I mean, I, you know, let's keep the positivity rolling on that, though. And I think parents are excited to get their kids into those theater classes again. I mean, parents are probably excited to get them into anything. I mean, even getting back into school is, a, is becoming an issue right now. I think most parents in America right now are excited to have an opportunity to have five seconds to be parents without their children in the same room. It's, uh, it's been a little rough. Well, shifting gears just a little bit, did you hear about this? I mean, being a, being a parent, I'm sure you have. All the, they're talking about all the ways of getting back to school and how everyone's Wanting, it's the big battle. Go to class, be safe online. Is it going to be a sustainability? And then I read this article that you might be able to relate to. It was pandemic pods. What is a pandemic <laughs> pod? Okay, a, a pandemic pod. In, in a nutshell, a pandemic pod is basically a, mi- a way of micro schooling. In a sense, it, it, they're, it's, bas- it's a private tutor or, or teacher that you have a small group of people that are taught in a school setting. That's basically just a way of micro-schooling and creating a private, their own private entity, you know, as these pandemic pods are like popping up, you know, so that way parents are being able to get together with other people and say, hey, you can go to school, you know. So it's like creating their own school. Okay, so, so, so basically it's quarantining as they were putting it throughout the beginning of this, but for schooling. Yes, right. okay. absolutely. So you choose, you choose like <laughs> your safe friends and your safe tutor or teacher or whatever. It's like the interview process. Have you ever? Oh, good. Okay. Nope. Ryan. Sorry, kid. You're out. Ryan, <laughs> come on. Like Dr. Evil came up with this, right? There is no way. First of all, it makes no sense. I want to be there at the enroll- enrollment process. Just, just the application process to see what, how they determine who's in and who's out. Do you think they'll color code them? You know, like all Gattaca style, be like, blue pods launching <laughs> now, blue pods Just walk up to them, would you well, like the green pill or the blue pill or the red pill? It's terrifying, right? I mean, this is way, way, way too sci-fi, apop- apocalyptic kind of you know, feel for me. I mean, Well, all right, so what are you going to be doing? Because and where do you stand on this? Are you really We're going for- back to school, baby. You're going back to school? Absolutely, man. My daughter is starting second grade. She is starting August 24th, and she is going in person live to classes. And now do you feel safe with her being there? Do I feel safe? No, I, I don't feel safe. Nothing feels safe right now. I don't think anything is going to feel safe until we are deep, deep into either vaccines being distributed to the masses or herd immunity spreading throughout the world. I don't, I don't need to feel 100% safe to make the decision to send my daughter back to class. 
what I need to feel is that the school is doing everything in their power to be as safe and as careful as possible in this pandemic. And I believe that her particular school is doing that. I don't think that keeping kids home from schools right now personally is the right course of action for our family, at least. I, I shouldn't say that. It, it sounds too grand, right? Like, I'm not trying to say that people that are keeping their kids home from school are making a mistake. You have to do whatever's comfortable for your family, right? Yeah, you no, have to no do doubt. Makes sense. But for us, you know, my daughter's going into second grade. I truly, truly believe that she needs more interaction than even a pandemic pod could, <laughs> could give her. You know, she's had, she's had what, since, since February or early March, she's had interaction with almost no children other than virtually. That's not okay to me. That is doing damage. And is there a risk involved? Sure, sure, especially where we live, right? I mean, we're in Texas. It is a hot spot for the virus. It's a scary situation. There's risk involved in letting her walk across the street every single day. And every single parent out there, they, they make the decision every day to let go a little bit and just trust that it's going to be okay. Well, I mean, we, 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 never had, we never had this kind of, I mean, these kind of issues to deal with. I mean, our parents just kind of shoot us off to school and whatever happened, happened. Absolutely. And how many, how many kids cracked their head open or lost teeth or broke bones? I mean, it happens all the time. Kids get super sick. Oh, you I know. still remember the playgrounds that, that we had. We had like the bridge, you know, in elementary school on our little playground. It was like wood and like chains. Oh, dude. You, you know, where like you'd run across and like now everything is like plastic and they got rid like, you know, the slide that you went down that if it, you were went out at the wrong time and it was too hot, like you burned your ass on the like you got like maybe a quarter way down and you had to scoot yeah. down. Brother, I've left more skin and blood on those things than I can even care to remember. But the, you know, the bottom line is that I think kids need to get back. We're going back. Whether or not it's, it's right for everybody, I don't know. But I, I can tell you for sure that teaching class in a pandemic pod, I mean, this is just way too much for me. You know, I, I came across an article about that the other day, this advertisement for these pods that people can buy prefab to like create work at home environments that are isolated from their families, but also outdoors. I mean, that sounds kind of nice. Yeah, well, you know, kind of <laughs> relaxing. It sounds, I sounds like you, you know, your own little little bubble. Yeah, the, these particular ones are made by a company called Kodo Designs, and they're out of, I think, the UK, and, and they're the um, Kodo Work Cabins is what they're calling them, right? And when they advertise these things on their website, they've got these pictures of a single, presume a parent or maybe a caretaker or someone working inside this enclosed environment and these little kids are like hiding in corners on the outside of these pods around. And they're supposed to be like, oh, you know, you can be alone for a second to focus on your, wood, your, your work rather during the pandemic. Who the heck is watching these kids, right? They're, if they're not in school, who's watching them? Nature. Looking, it's yeah, nature. Nature. <laughs> yeah, nature. yeah the, the grizzly bear is taking care of your, <laughs> you know, third grader. I, I, I just don't think that, uh, that that's normal. But for us, the biggest motivation for sending our daughter back to school outside of just, you know, needing to socialize with other kids is we have made the decision as her parents that in order to, in order to learn 
problem solving skills and creative thinking skills that these kids need to be learning, you have to be around other people, not just students. You have to be around teachers. You have to be around authority. You have to be around structure that we really can't offer with homeschooling, frankly. Well, and to me, I'm always curious how, you know, I recently got into teaching online because it was the easy thing to do. Now, I'm not teaching, you know, a school or in a specific classroom, I'm teaching English to Asian students, but I've, I mean, is it better for the teacher? Because, I mean, there's days when I'm teaching a class that the student cannot sit still and it becomes kind of a, almost, I mean, I just sometimes want to hit mute and then start just randomly talking to the kid or just saying, just saying whatever and seeing if they understand. Yeah, there's no way it's better for the teacher. I mean, we, we saw this all the time in my daughter's school when, when she was still in first grade going through this. You know, her, her school did a great job with the online learning stuff. They really did. They were organized. They, it was almost like triage, right? Like they, they did the damage control very, very quickly. They figured out what wasn't going to work in their core curriculum. They got rid of it. They figured out what could work and could be adapted online, and they really exemplified it. But you'd see these students where their, their parents weren't around, right? You could tell their parents weren't in the room. It was just the kid with like a tablet, iPad, iPhone, laptop, whatever, off in some room in their house. And their parents are probably taking 10 seconds to breathe. Um, and, and the kids were just completely fucking off, right? There was no, <laughs> there was no paying attention to the teacher whatsoever. There, it was just complete chaos. And the Look, poor teachers... Squirrel. Yeah, exactly. Squirrel. You know, Billy, Billy, <laughs> Billy, are you listening? You know, and Billy is smart enough because Billy's been around electronics and they were born, right? They're like, boonk, mute. Now they can't hear the teacher anymore and they're just off playing and it's like... This is not good for kids. Man. I mean, when I was in school, we had those uh, TI-89 calculators and stuff like that that we got that was kind of advanced, right? Yeah. And the minute that we figured out how to put like video, Starship or video game stuff on there, we were doing that in class, man. I mean, yeah. See, here we go. We're, we're showing our age differential a little bit. See, I had the TI-82, and that was cutting edge when I, was, uh, okay. when I was there. So we used to be able to tether two of them together and send little messages back and forth and like share programs and stuff. So our big thing, I don't know if it was still the same with the TI-89, but our big thing with the TI-82 was we would drop these cords like behind our chair and running along the floor, and the kid behind you would pick it up and plug in, and then you could chat. But, but, but one of the things that I find so interesting about little kids, about first graders, second graders, third graders, is they have to learn to adapt to being in a crowd, right? They have to learn not only how to please their teachers, but they have to learn how to sort of navigate other very judgmental little people. Right, they start forming little cliques very young. They start saying, "Oh, who's my best friend? He's my best friend today." Eleven-year-olds are mean. They are. They're, they can be brutal, and and not because they they will cuss you out, but they they pick all they they can see your insecurities. Dude, they can be so brutal. They can be so brutal. And, I, and I'll I'll give you an example of exactly what I'm talking about that happened to me actually. Um, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit hesitant to tell this story because I think I've told it to maybe four people, including my parents, who I finally fessed up to only a few years ago. Oh, don't worry. There's only dozens listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so. so why not put it on the internet for all of the world to hear? Um, but, but here it is. Here it is. So a great example of critical thinking as a young person that you can't get if you're sitting in front of your iPad doing homeschooling. 
I'm in third grade. I'm in Miss Skipper's class. I'll never forget her. She was one of these classic, brutal teachers. I mean, she like put the fear of the heavens into every single kid who had her class. She was a hard ass on all of us. So I'm in a computer lab in third grade, and, and we were fortunate enough to go to a school that had computer lab. I'll never forget it. We were on these little Apple IIs, and we're on this program called Logo Writer, and I had to pee bad. The problem is that Miss Skipper and I had been kind of going back and forth for, I don't know, maybe the whole semester kind of deal, and, and I always had to pee, right? I always had to leave the class, and I would kind of go wander off, and I wouldn't really come back, and she was getting sick of it. So this one day, she decides... She's going to put her foot down. Little Philip, you are not going to leave until we are done with this class. The problem is, this class, I really had to go. I wasn't making it up this time. No. Miss Skipper, I really have to go. No. Miss Skipper, I really have to go. No. Miss Skipper, she looks over at me. Oh, my God, Philip, run. She realized... Looking in my eyes. <laughs> I mean, this was... It's, it's coming. This was DEFCON, man. <laughs> I mean, this was bad. So I'm sprinting down the hallway. I'm all alone. I don't make it. Round the corner of the bathroom. Bathroom is empty. I'm sitting there, standing there. I don't know what to do. I start tearing up. I'm terrified. How am I going to face this entire class of students in third grade with soaking wet pants? What am I going to do? Well, I heard a dripping sound. So I look over and I see on one of the sinks in the big, long, like three sink counter, one of the, the, um, the spigots, the little water valves that, that you control the on off for the cold water was leaking. I thought, okay. So I go over there and I look at it. I play around with it and it's loose. I crawl underneath the counter in this bathroom, my pants just soaking wet. Right? You can't do anything can't worse at this point. About it. I mean, freaking out, right? I crawl underneath the, the, the sink and I look up and I see that the pipe wasn't properly threaded on to the bottom of where this, this it's not a mixing valve, but where the valve is. I think, I wonder if I can get that loose. Oh, the wheels are turning. Yeah, my little third grade devious brain, I climb up on top of the counter. I just start kicking this thing as hard as I can. Boom, 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 until I hear snap and water just starts flowing out of this thing <laughs> like a fire hydrant. Dude, I mean, it was water everywhere. I'm like, oh my God. It's spraying all over the walls, the ceiling, the floor. Gallons and gallons of water rushing out of this thing by the second. I am soaked, head to toe, drenched. The water's pulling up on the floor instantly. I go cooking out of the bathroom as fast as I can, screaming, there's a flood in the bathroom. The pipe broke. I'm soaked. Oh, my gosh. Come quick. <laughs> well, yeah, sooner the better you get that news out. The right? principal comes running around the corner. All the classroom doors open. <laughs> All the teachers come running out. Water is flooding out from underneath the bathroom door. I look down the hallway. Miss Skipper opens the door. We make eye contact, and she just glares at me. She knew. She knew that I had somehow messed up and come up with a way to cover this up. But it worked. My mom comes pick me up that day. Oh, you know, Mrs. Goffrey, we had a, a terrible tragedy in the bathroom. One of the pipes burst. It was a flood. A terrible a tragedy. A terrible tragedy. <laughs> 
Phil, Philip got soaking wet. We're so sorry, right? Yeah, you know, you've got to think creatively. And I'm if I were sitting in front of my parents' iPad in third grade doing remote learning, I never would have had the chance to figure out how to get myself out of that one for better or for worse. So, yeah, I can't even imagine that going into your own bathroom in your house and just kicking it <laughs> into submission so it starts flooding. Just, <laughs> I mean, what's, what's fun about that? That would be a lot harder to explain. Yeah, I exactly. Think, you know. Exactly. Well, I mean, you come from a big family. I have a big family. There was always somebody to blame on something. I, I will say that. that. There was something that went wrong in our house all the time, and you could always see the torch being passed down. Well, my, my extended family is a big family, and, I, and I, I can agree with you on that. But I'll tell you what. What I found is that the adults became very, very clever at beating us at our own game, and they just gave up and stopped caring after a while. <laughs> that's that's was, true. We just wore them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love my parents, too, but I have seen them their parenting style change. As the years, you know, I'm, I'm the second of seven. And so, you know, stuff that they were caring about when I was, you know, eight, nine years old and getting into trouble. Like I look at what my younger siblings were doing and they're just like, eh, well, we've already dealt with that. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's a little ridiculous at this point. I'm just thinking, well, where was that when I was growing up? Yeah, there, there are lessons in that, right? It's like as, as parents have more than one child, they, they get worried about breaking the first couple. And then they realize that, oh. Was, They're broken. Let's, yeah, let's, just, let's exactly. move to the next it one. Was, it was worrying about breaking them that broke them. Let's just <laughs> let the other one figure it out, you know. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? One of these days I'll have to get my dad on because he has some great stories about my younger brothers that I, I couldn't even make up. I, I would love that. Make, I couldn't even make up. I would up. love that. We should do a, a tell-all story segment. Yeah, there we go. So I, I got to ask you, you, you are for going back to school, but you know, for all of you guys listening out there, let us know what you think. Uh, go to www.neighborsdon'tknock.com, check us out on Facebook or Twitter, and, and let us know, are you for or against this going back to school? And you know, do you guys think that really the future of live entertainment is going to be on a screen or distance in a parking lot? I'm really curious. And I tell you what, if you all have any crazy stories about when you were a kid in school and things that you got away with that kids that are homeschooling or, or virtual learning will never get to experience, post up. We'd love to read it. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear it. I mean, not that we want to promote that to everybody else or give your child any more ideas than she already has. Yeah, it's not a challenge. <laughs> but yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear it. Well, that about wraps it up for this show. We want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in. but. Make sure you get into next week's episode because you're not going to want to miss it. Pedro Mora, the Pete from Fajita Pete's, is going to be joining us on the show, and we could not be more excited. Man, I'm super stoked up to talk to him live on our show. It's going to be great, so don't miss it. Every Friday, Neighbors Don't Knock. If you want to drop us a line, go to www.neighborsdon'tknock.com, and we will see you next week. Peace. Out. Out.